Welcome to the St. Mark's Lutheran Church by the Narrows podcast channel. The sermon you are about to hear is from our worship service on October 15th, 2023. For more information about the community and ministries of St. Mark's Lutheran Church by the Narrows, you can visit our website, smlutheran.org. There you will find the full online worship service from which this sermon is taken. And if you'd like to contribute financially to help sustain the ministries at St. Mark's, you'll find more information on how to do that there as well. And now, here's Pastor Mark Gravrock with the Gospel reading. The Gospel reading for this 20th Sunday after Pentecost is written in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22. I'm reading this from the First Nations translation. Jesus continued to speak to them using stories such as this one. Creator's good road from above is like a chief who prepared a wedding feast for his son. When the feast was ready, he sent out trusted messengers to gather the ones who had been invited, but no one came. So he sent out others with this message. I'm serving my best meat fresh from the herd, so come, the wedding feast for my son has been prepared. But some ignored the messengers and returned to their work, while others mistreated them and even killed them. When the chief found out what they had done, he was filled with rage and sent his warriors to kill those murderers and burn their village to the ground. Then the chief told his messengers, The wedding feast is ready, but the ones invited have proved they have no honor. Waste no time. Go out into the village pathways and invite all you find to come to the feast. So they went and did as they were told and gathered as many as they could find, whether honorable or bad-hearted. So the lodge was filled with many wedding guests for his son. When the chief came in to see the guests, he saw someone who was not wearing the proper regalia for, for the feast that was provided for the guests at the wedding feast. He said to the guest, how did you get in here without the proper regalia? Why have you dishonored my son by not wearing the outfit provided for you? There was nothing the man could say. The chief called his warriors and said to them, Bind him with leather straps from head to, head to foot and throw him outside into the darkness to weep and grind his teeth in anger. And so you can see, said Jesus, many are invited, but few accept his invitation. The Gospel of our Lord. It was the comedian Groucho Marx who famously once said, I refuse to join any club that would have me as a member. This morning, Jesus tells a story of a party, a feast, a banquet for everyone, absolutely everyone, no exceptions, no boundaries, but there's this one guy who won't put on his party clothes. Hey, bub, says the host, why aren't you wearing your party clothes? If you don't want to be here, I won't force you to party. He turns to his bouncers, toss this guy outside into the dark. Apparently, he doesn't want to be here. Why would we not want to join the party? Why would I not want to be in on the party? Grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The last time I preached, I called one of Jesus' parables a cartoon. The fact is, I'm finding it more and more helpful to think of Jesus' parables as cartoons. Not cartoons as in Rocky and Bullwinkle, or if, if you're that old, or Beavis and Butthead, or Paw Patrol. 
not cartoons as in comic strips with funny punchlines, but cartoons as in exaggerated stories that are meant to crack us open and help us entertain a new way of thinking. The problem with Jesus' parables is that we have been interpreting them for 2,000 years. All too often we've treated them as sources of encoded doctrine. And all too often, especially with these, these parables of judgment that come late in the Gospel of Matthew, we assume that they're teachings about the end times, about heaven and hell, about salvation and our final destination. Don't get me wrong. Jesus' parables are not unrelated to those final questions, but I think it's fair to ask whether that's Jesus' real point in these stories. The more I read the Gospels, in fact, the more clear it seems to me that Jesus is rarely thinking about heaven and hell and that he gives us precious little information about what's coming beyond this world. He does give us some pretty important promises, and these promises anchor us I go to prepare a place for you. Where I am, there you will be also. There will be no more, nor so, no more sorrow, no more grieving, no more tears. But as for any details, as for the geography or the timetable of the next life, not so much. And most of the time when Jesus does seem to be talking about the, end, the next life, his eye is squarely focused on here and now. So a parable like today's story, the wedding banquet with that one poor schluck who gets tossed out on his ear at the end, a parable like today's sends us scurrying into endless questions that we've been asking for 2,000 years. Who gets in? Who gets tossed out? What are the requirements? What clothes do I have to wear in order not to get kicked out? Well, let's stay on that heaven and hell track for just a moment. In that vein, what does Jesus' parable today tell us? Well, both of our scripture readings today, actually, give us a very clear picture of God's ultimate embrace, God's total, all-inclusive embrace. In Isaiah, it's a banquet, a feast of rich foods, a celebratory, death-destroying party that God promises to throw. For whom? For all peoples, Isaiah says. For all nations, for the entire human race, with no exceptions whatsoever friends, enemies, strangers, an all-embracing feast of the love of God with no more pain and no more tears. And in Jesus' story, a wedding banquet for the king's son, a feast that every last available person is invited to, actually not just invited, but hustled on into, every last person, good and bad alike, no exceptions, no qualifications, no distinctions. Once again, an all-embracing feast of the love of God. Who is included in God's plans, God's embrace, God's dream, God's promises? Who gets in for now and for all eternity? Everybody. Absolutely everybody. Even you and even that person that you're thinking about right now, that person who hurt you, or who just drives you crazy, everybody. And then comes the whiplash. It's there in Isaiah also. It comes immediately after that universal party that we, that we just read about. First, there's this banquet for all peoples, all peoples. And then immediately afterward comes Moab. One exception after all. 
one tiny neighbor nation swimming next door in a dung pit. That's actually there in scripture. Check it out when you get home, Isaiah 25, 10 through 12. Wait a second, God, I thought you just said this banquet is for all peoples. What's wrong with Moab? Well, Isaiah calls it pride. Moab doesn't want to join the party unless it's going to be on Moab's own, own terms. Now, by the way, just in case any of you happens to be descended from the ancient Moabites, uh, don't worry, this is a symbol, it's a picture. You're not doomed to swim in the sewer. And now it happens again in Matthew. As soon as Jesus has painted this all-inclusive, all-encompassing, all-embracing, no-exceptions banquet, now he introduces an exception. Hey, bub, why aren't you wearing your party clothes? If you don't want to be here, I won't force you to party. There's the door. Toss this guy out on his ear. What's the point? If we're thinking end times and heaven and hell and all that, what's, this, what's the end time death and life point? That God's banquet of love is all embracing. No one is excluded. No one whatsoever. You are in forever. But God will not force you to party if you don't want to party. Well, what if Jesus isn't talking about the end times? What if heaven and hell are not the point? What if this parable is not dry doctrine to nail down? What if, once again, Jesus is drawing cartoons? Well, the first part of that what if is that Jesus' words now suddenly get down to earth and right here and now. As long as I treat his parable as doctrine, as teaching, cryptic teaching, then I can keep it at arm's length. I can ponder the religious leaders and the Jerusalem leaders way back then, or I can ponder heaven and hell far off in the future and never let the story come close to me. But if Jesus is telling stories that are meant to crack me open right now, if he's drawing cartoons to catch me off guard, then I think I need to listen up. So here's Jesus. He's now in Jerusalem for his final conflict. He's battling the powerful of Jerusalem who are trying to trap him and kill him. And within a few days, they will succeed. In these final chapters, these final Matthew cartoons are pointed straight at them. And that's what the first bloody part of the, of the parable seems to be about. You have taken over God's vineyard for your own enrichment. You have abused the little ones in the process. God will not have it. And even as you plot to kill me, it will be your own undoing. You've completely twisted what God's kingdom is about. What is it about? A party. A wedding feast. A banquet for every last one of us. Good and evil, strong and weak, rich and poor, faithful and faithless. For every last one of us without exception. And then, when now the rest of us who think we're not Pharisees or not powerful Jerusalemites, we're feeling just a little smug and happy about things, then Jesus drops the other shoe. One guest who refuses to wear his party garb. Um, guy? Yes? You? What's up? You don't want to be here? There's the door. Which brings us back to the question, why would we not want the party? Why would I not want to be in on the party? 
So in order to try this out, I'd like you to think now not about the final party, but about the banquet of grace that is right now. Right now, in the midst of this broken world of war and grief and pain, right now in the midst of God, the feast of God's grace, in the midst of all our worries, why would we not want to join the party? Let's try out some possibilities. First possibility, maybe I don't like the company. I look around the room. Oh, she's there. He got in? The messengers did bring in everybody, both good and bad, Jesus makes points to say. Do I not want to rub shoulders with them? In order to join this party, I'm going to have to leave my own costume at home, my costume of superiority or privilege. Next, there's the Groucho Marx quote. I refuse to join any club that would have me as a member. That might be the opposite problem. I'm not good enough for this party. If the host really knew who I am or what I've done or how I've failed or where I've been ashamed, the bouncers would never let me in in the first place. If I'm going to be here at the party, I'm going to have to keep my mask on, my own best-looking costume that I can find, not whatever garb the host has for me. Or third possibility, am I hurting too much to party? Am I too deep in grief or pain to bear the thought of food and dance? Has my own pain hung on so long that it's become a costume that I can't lay aside? Has my grief now become my new identity so that if I lose it, I lose myself? This Jesus party, in fact, has room for all our grief and all our pain. The food and drink, the music, and the companionship are all here to embrace us and hold us and heal us. But if I'm too attached to my pain costume, I'm going to have to opt out. Here's one more possibility, one that maybe lies behind all the others. For me to say yes to the party, I'm going to have to accept the truth that the party is not all about me. It is about me. It's about you. It's about every last one of us. But the party doesn't focus on me. The party is about us all together, feasting on God's grace, feasting on the gift of life in Jesus Christ. The party is about us because the party is about an all-embracing God. The party, after all, is the son's wedding banquet. And that means that if I'm going to enjoy the party, here and now, I'm going to have to leave home my me costume and put on the party clothes that the host gives me. Whether that's a tuxedo for this wedding, or dancing clothes, or a clown suit, or Groucho Marx glasses, or whatever he gives us for the party. It means, or it could be the clothing of just as I am without one plea. It means that I'll be showing up in Jesus' clothes, because Jesus came and dressed himself in my clothes. The banquet, that end times heavenly banquet, that banquet is now and here, right smack in the midst of war and pain. The banquet is where you live and work and play. The banquet is wherever you rub shoulders with other people, or where you're alone, whether by choice or by circumstance. Join the party. 
dance. Play charades, have a glass of eggnog and a lint ball. Jesus is throwing the party for us all. By the way, if you haven't noticed, our children and grandchildren, of course, teach us all over again. They just show up for the party just as they are, wearing the clothes that are themselves, the party clothes that Jesus gives us. They know. Amen. You've been listening to the St. Mark's Lutheran Church by the Narrows podcast channel. Thanks for joining us.